The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Mark chapter 8. We're beginning a brand new series called Fixing Our Eyes today, and we're going to be talking over the next several weeks about our eyes and the way we see things. Now, our eyes are pretty fascinating things when you really start to look at them. These, these two balls of, you know, whatever they are <laughs> that reside in these sockets within our skull, if you really begin to study them, they're pretty fascinating, you know? I mean, the, the way they work, it's, it's like your vision is a miracle. And there's so many things that take place. When you see something, there are light waves that, that are happening. There's chemical reactions that are taking place. There's electrical impulses. Uh, and it all happens in a split second, you look around this room this morning, I know it's a little dark in here, but you look around this room, and, and, and I don't know where your vision is, maybe some of you can't see so well or whatever, but if you look around the room, it's amazing all the colors we can see, it's amazing how we can focus on things in the distance and then immediately focus on things right in front of us. I mean, just look around a little bit this morning. Our eyes are amazing. They've never been able to replicate what the eye can do with any kind of lens. They've never been able to build, build an actual eye. Uh, in fact, the eye is considered to be the most complex of all human organs. In fact, it's so complex that, that Darwin, you guys heard of Darwin before the guy came up with the theory of evolution, questioned his theory when looking at the complexity of the eyes. He's quoted as saying this, to suppose that the eye with all its inimitable contrivances, thank you, for adjusting to focus uh, to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection. Look at this. Seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. So here's the guy that came up with evolution looking at the eye and saying, to just suppose that that could just happen seems absurd. And this is back in 1850 when he, when he actually was quoted as saying this, uh, long before science has proven the eye to be even more complex, more complicated, more amazing uh, since then. But here's the, the truth for all of us today, no matter where you are in here, no matter what kind of eyes you may have this morning, as amazing as eyes can be, uh, all of us have very flawed eyes in one aspect. Our eyes can only see in the physical. Our eyes cannot see into the spiritual realm. Now, you need to understand something. There is a spiritual realm that exists. God is a spirit, and, and he created this physical world from the spiritual world. So it, it stands to reason that if, if this world was created from the spiritual world, then the spiritual world that, that this world was born out of is a more powerful world than this world and is a more real world than really even this world that we exist in today. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11 verse 3. It says, by faith. Everybody say faith. Faith, faith is going to be very important in this series in the days ahead. You'll see that. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. God spoke this world into existence. And what we now see, what we see with the physical eye, did not come from anything that can be seen. So the physical world that we exist in, that we, that we experience with our five senses, this physical world was born out of a spiritual world. And this is very important for you to understand because, because here's the thing. Our ability to receive from God in the physical world hinges on our ability to believe in faith that God and his angels are working in the spiritual to accomplish things in the physical. Amen. So God is working 
on your behalf and our prayers and our ability to believe in faith in the spiritual world, in this, in this idea that God is doing something in the spiritual world is very powerful for us experiencing what God wants to do in our life in the physical. But here's the thing. Most of us just live based on our five senses. And we miss out. We live solely based on our physical vision. We don't see things the way we're supposed to see. Uh, years ago, Sarah and I were watching TV one night. And you know, living in Oklahoma, if you've lived in Oklahoma any amount of time, you've probably experienced what's called tornado season, right? And in tornado season, there's these guys called meteorologists that love weather. And they love to break in to whatever show you're watching and tell you about the weather. Now, hear me. I get it, right? I get that there's actual threats and danger that can take place. I get it if there's a tornado on the ground, if there's actual danger. I, get, I, I totally understand that. But, but on this one occasion, we were watching TV. It was like the threat of possibility of something possibly happening. But the meteorologists are pumped about this, right? So, so we're watching the show, and every commercial break, they're breaking in to give us information, and they're, they're breaking in like, you know, there is a chance. We want to keep you informed. There's a chance of some severe weather possibly uh, later on this evening. Cool. Go back to your show. And then they show you all these radars and scientific mumbo jumbo that, yeah, okay, whatever. It's green and it's red and okay. And then we go back to our show and then it comes back to the next commercial. Like, hey, we want to just keep you informed on what's going on. There is still a chance of some severe weather, weather later on this evening. And this is going on like every commercial break. And it's kind of funny. And then finally, there comes this time, I guess they're getting bored too. So they decide to, to go out to like on, on site, you know? So they say, chief meteorologist says, you know, we're going we're gonna to go now live to so-and-so who's out by I-44. So-and-so, what are you seeing? And it cuts to this guy and he's out on location. He's got the microphone and he's just standing there. <laughs> kind of awkward, right? This is what's going on. It's just awkward. And so finally, the, the chief meteorologist comes back in because nothing is happening. This guy's just standing there looking like an idiot, blinking. And he says, so-and-so, what, what is it that you're seeing? Back to the guy. For like 15 seconds. And it's just, you're just sitting there going, oh my gosh. And, it, and then finally, this guy just standing there goes, I can't hear, I can't see. And when he does this, okay, you got to understand something about Sarah. She thinks stuff like that is awesome. And so she just bursts into laughter, but she had just taken a drink of some liquid. So she spews liquid all over the place, and it was, it was amazing. And it's some, one of those things that to this day, from time to time, we'll just drop a, I can't hear, I can't see. It's just one of those things that's kind of entered into our life. Now, here's, here's my point. This week, as I was, I, was, I was thinking about this and studying this, God reminded me of that story. And I think, you know, sometimes we in life are kind of like that guy on location. We're on location, right? We're in this physical world. And we find ourselves kind of standing there looking around and we can't hear and we can't see. We can't hear the way God wants us to hear. We can't see the way God wants us to see. And because we can't, we miss out on what God wants to do, what God wants to show us. We're, we're lost. We can't see what God has in store for us. And because we can't see, listen, because we can't see, we don't see. Because we can't see uh, with eyes of faith, we don't see God move in our life to move us past 
or to move us through those things that we're dealing with. Because we can't see beyond our problems, we don't see God come work in our life to help us to to move past those things. Because we can't see the hurting world around us, we don't see God use us to minister to that hurting world. Because we can't see, we don't see. Because we can't see with the spiritual the way we're supposed to, we don't see. Uh, I read this week that that 75%, three out of four people, have vision problems, have to wear have to wear contacts or glasses or something to help them to see in a greater way. I, I, would, I would guess, though, that if we really could study spiritually how we see, I bet that statistic's even higher. I think there's a lot of people that are going through this world and they're not seeing the way they're supposed to see. Now, understand this. Um, you have the ability, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're a Christian, you have the ability to see things the way God wants you to see things. You have the ability to hear the voice of God. You have those ability. The problem is not uh, with the seeing and the hearing. The problem is with the listening and the looking. It's with the listening and the looking. Uh, my son Gus has a real, how should I say this? A real ability to have selective hearing and seeing these days. In fact, it was awesome. I, I, I wrote my message this week and Last night, he perfectly illustrated this for me, but we'll, I'll go to Gus and I'll say, hey buddy, it's almost time for bed. I want you to go take a shower, put your laundry away, straighten up your room and get in bed. Here's what Gus heard. Take a shower, get in bed. So I'll go into his room. I'll go into his bathroom, clothes are on the floor. I'll go into his room. And last night it was trashed. And I walk in there and he's just laying in bed, just happy as he can be. And I'm like, buddy, what happened? And he's like, what? It's like, I, I told you, I wanted you to pick up your laundry and I wanted you to clean up your room. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And he gets up and, and he does it. And so I've kind of learned, well, maybe I just need to break this down a little bit more, make it more simple, just one command at a time. But even that doesn't always help. Like I'll say, Gus, I've walked by his room sometimes and he's into cards and Legos. And so those things just, it's like he'll go into his room with his cards and just go, Wah! and just throw them. Or Legos are like machine gunned all over the place. So I'll go by and see that his room needs some help. And so I'll go to him. I'll say, hey, buddy, I need you to go straighten up your room. It looks crazy. So he'll disappear. And about five minutes later, come bopping back into the room. I'm like, did you clean your room? Yeah. It looks good? Yeah. So if I go in there, it looks really good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go look. Go, go ahead. And so I'll walk in there and I'll walk in his room and, and it's pretty clean. But there will be like one big gaping problem. Like, for example, his bed is not made at all. And there was like a tornado that hit his bed and his pillows are laying beside his bed. And it's like, it's pretty clean except for this one huge problem. And I'll go, Gus, come in here. And he'll come into the room and I'll say, okay, I want you to look at your room. Is there anything in this room that doesn't look right? And he'll look around. Oh yeah, my bed. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, buddy, you didn't make your bed. Now, now here's my point. It's not that he can't see. It's not that he can't hear me correctly. It's that he's not listening and he's not looking. He's not really looking. And here's how I can prove it. And you could too with your kids. If I was to go to Gus and say, hey, buddy, I want you to go take a shower. I want you to go straighten up your room and then come to the kitchen. I've got some ice cream for you. He's going to make it into the kitchen, I promise you. And the other stuff is going to get done. Or if I was to go to him and say, hey, buddy, after you're done taking your shower, I, I hid some money in your room. He will find that money, right? Why? Because, listen... He values those things. Because he values those things, he's looking for those things. Now, here's what I'm getting at. 
A lot of times, we don't see the way God wants us to see. We don't hear the things God wants us to hear. Not because we can't hear, we can't see, because we're not listening, we're not looking. And we're not listening and we're not looking because we don't value the voice of God like we should to lead us through life. And we don't value seeing things, seeing this world through the eyes of faith that God has called us to see this world through. So we gotta, we gotta fix our eyes. We gotta change the way we see. We gotta get beyond just the physical and start seeing in the spherical, spherical, spiritual. All right. So Mark chapter eight, I told you to turn there. You should have had plenty of time to find that by now. Mark chapter eight. Uh, what we see here is Jesus kind of points us to in this story, this idea of us having two sets of eyes and how we can see the world around us. In Mark chapter eight, verses one through 10, uh, Jesus does one of these amazing feedings. There's two feedings where Jesus feeds 5,000 and this is where Jesus feeds 4,000. He feeds 4,000 people. Um, actually, it says he feeds 4,000 men with seven loaves of bread. Now, when it says 4,000 men, we don't know how many women were there. We don't know how many children were there. There could have been 10, 15,000 people that were there. But let's just say it was just the 4,000, okay? He fed them with seven loaves of bread. That's a miracle, right? Jesus took this bread, he multiplied it, and he took something physical, multiplied it, and did something amazing with it. Okay, so right after this, in verses 11 and 12, uh, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him to show them a sign, which is awesome, right? So look at this with me. It says, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Like, I don't know, maybe feeding thousands of people with not near enough food, right? Okay, so it says in verse 12, when, when he heard this, talking about Jesus, I love this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. <laughs> you ever been there before? Like, you're just like, what is wrong with these people? You ever had that before? Haven't we all experienced that? People at work, your kids sometimes, you're just like, what's wrong with you? He goes on to say, and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation, talking about this group of people, people that think like these people, I will not give them any such sign. Here's what he's saying. I ain't giving anything to people who will not walk by faith. They're not getting nothing from me. If you're not willing to walk by faith and trust me and believe me at my word, you're not getting anything from me. Look at what he says, verse 13. So he got back into the boat and left them and he crossed to the other side. So he gets back in the boat with the disciples. They're crossing over. Now this just happened, okay? This just happened. And so now he's kind of taking a moment to talk to his disciples about this and give them a warning about these Pharisees. Verse 14 says, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Okay, but they do have one loaf of bread. Remember that. Verse 15, as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now look at 16. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. But remember, they did bring bread, right? They brought one loaf for 12 guys. Now remember, Jesus just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves, and now his disciples are arguing over one loaf of bread. And that's not even what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and of Herod. He's talking about the message. We know this because Matthew 4, 4 talks about man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is often referred to as teaching. It's referred to as a message, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So Jesus is warning them, hey, don't get caught up in the message of the Pharisees. Don't get caught up in the things that they are saying. But all they're thinking about is bread because what? They're stuck in the physical. 
They're not seeing the deeper truths because they're just focused on the physical. Look at what it says. Verse 17, Jesus knew what they were saying. So talking to his disciples, he said, why are you arguing about not having bread? Don't you understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Now look at what he says. You have eyes. Everybody say eyes. Eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Everybody say ears. ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Do you remember what just happened is what Jesus is saying. When I fed, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? 12, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, just a few minutes ago, (laughs) how many baskets were left over to pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. Here's Here's what Jesus is saying. Guys, if I wanted some bread, I can just whip up some bread. Me feeding the 12 of you dudes with one loaf of bread is not a big issue for the, for the God of, of all creation who could take seven loaves of bread and feed 4,000, possibly 15,000 people. But, but they're not seeing what they're supposed to see. And so what does Jesus say to them? He says, you know why you're just thinking about bread? Because you have eyes, but you cannot see. You have ears, but you cannot hear. Here's what he's saying. You're only looking with the physical. You're not seeing with spiritual eyes. And because of that, you're missing out on greater truths that I want you to see, that I want you to understand. Okay, so right after this, they arrive on the other side of the water. And uh, when they get there, the, the Bible says that a blind man is brought to Jesus. And I think Jesus decides in this moment, okay, I'm gonna teach these guys something. Because he performs a miracle with this blind man in a way that is different than any other time in scripture. Let's look at this together. Verse 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, that's the other side of the water, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, remember this, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people But I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Remember that. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Now, this is the only time in Scripture we see Jesus healing somebody, and we see it, and it's like it's in two stages. But what I want you to understand is that it's not that it didn't take the first time, okay? Like I've heard people teach this before and say, see, even Jesus, sometimes it didn't work for him the first time. (laughs) Really? Like, let's examine that for a moment, okay? What's the problem? Jesus didn't have enough faith? (laughs) It's Jesus. It's the guy that created everything in this world. He spoke it into existence with his words. Everything we see, everything we don't see. This is, this is Jesus. This is the Jesus that had enough faith to go die on the cross for people that wouldn't, he didn't even know for sure if, who all would come to salvation with him. That's the kind of faith Jesus had. Faith to die for you. He has great faith. Faith is not the issue here. Uh, it's not that sin's an issue here. <laughs> it's not that sin is keeping him from experiencing, you know, what, what it is that God wants to do here because Jesus was without sin. It's not that. It's Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And he healed this man in stages because he was trying to show his disciples something. He says this. He lays his hands on the man the first time. And he says, he asked him, what do you see? 
Now, he said, when he said that, he wasn't asking like, you know, what, what is it you're seeing right now? He's not, he's not asking for himself. He's asking because he wanted his disciples to hear this, and he wanted me and you to hear this. He says, what did you see? Now, the answer to this is found in what the man says next. He says, I see men like trees. Everybody say trees. trees. Very often in scripture, uh, people in a spiritual sense are referred to or likened to like trees. Now, let me show you some examples of this. In Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man, everybody say man, man, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Talking about the Bible. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So this is talking about how a person lives their life. They're not living based the way the world lives. They're living, living based on what the word of God says. Now look what it says next. He shall be like a tree. Everybody say tree. tree. Planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he, the person, does shall prosper. In Psalms 52, contrasting between a wicked person and a, and a godly person, it says this, uh, verse 7 and 8, here is the man, talking about a person, who did not make his God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Now look what it says next. But I am like an olive tree. Everybody say tree. In the house of God, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Psalms 92 verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Everybody say tree. tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Isaiah 55 verse 12, all the trees, everybody say tree. tree. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You ever seen a tree clapping its hands? No, because trees don't have hands, right? It's talking about people here. People are being likened to trees. Now look at this. Jesus himself talked about this very idea in Luke six forty three. It says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for every tree is known by its fruit. Now look what it says next. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Here's what Jesus is saying. In the same way that you can know what a tree is based on the fruit that it produces, you can know what's going on in a person, what's going on inside a person by the fruit that's coming out of their lips. So he's comparing trees to people. We see this all throughout Scripture. So let me explain what Jesus does. When he first lays hands on this person and says, what do you see? In that moment, Jesus healed that man spiritually. He brought salvation to that man. And that man was able to see into a spiritual realm. God gave him the ability, before he healed his physical eyes, gave him the ability to see things in a different way than he ever had before, to see things like God sees them. And then after that, because God doesn't just care about your spirit, he cares about you physically. What does he do? Jesus lays hands on him again, and he brings healing to the man's physical eyes. Jesus is pointing us to this idea that we all have two sets of eyes, and he wants us to see beyond just our natural physical eyes into the spirit. Because Jesus wants his disciples to understand, listen, you're getting caught up in bread. You're getting caught up in bread when Jesus is here with you. I'm here with you. And in the same way, sometimes we get caught up in the physical stuff. And because we're so caught up in what's going on in this physical world, we miss out on greater truths because we're so focused on what we don't have, we don't recognize what we do have, which is Jesus with us, who can take the things that we don't have or things that we do have, multiply them, bless them, and make them greater in this world. But that only comes when we start to see things the way God wants us to see things. 
You guys follow me this morning? We need to fix our eyes. So let's talk about this this morning. Let's get real practical over the next few minutes and talk about how we can begin to see things with spiritual eyes. And, and I'll just tell you, throughout this series, we're going to unpack this more and more, but I kind of want to lay some, some groundwork for you today that will help you in the days ahead as we dig into this. Okay, so, so three words I'm going to give you this morning, and then I'll unpack what these words, what I'm talking about with these words. Okay, so if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing, if you're going to see with spiritual eyes, first thing you got to do is flip. Write that down, flip. Now, what do I mean by that? Flip. Here's, here's what I mean. We got to flip on the light. Flip on the light. In Ephesians chapter one, if you have your Bible or some kind of a device, go ahead and flip over there. I want you to see this with me this morning. If you don't, you can, you can look on with me here, up here. But in Ephesians chapter one, Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. And he is, he's giving them instruction and direction. And part of what he does here is he actually uh, tells them some prayers that he's praying over them. These prayers are the desires of what he wants them to experience. And, uh, and really what we understand about this is because the Bible was written by men that were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, this is actually what God desires of us, for us. So when, when Paul's writing to this church of Ephesus and saying, these are the desires, these are things I'm praying for, this is what God desires for us to experience, okay? So Ephesians chapter one, starting verse 16, it says this, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking, remember that, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit, notice that, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him, talking about Jesus, better. Now look at verse 18. I pray that the eyes, everybody say eyes, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now, uh, verse 18 there, it talks about our, it, our eyes, the eyes of our heart. Now, it's not talking about our physical eyes. It's not talking about your physical heart. It's not talking about physical eyes on your physical heart. It's talking about your spiritual eyes. And when it talks about your heart, actually that word is better translated as your, your innermost being, the core of, of your belief system, the core of who you are. It's talking about your spirit, and so what, what Paul is saying here, what God is saying is he wants that our eyes to be enlightened. He wants our spirit to be enlightened. Now think about that word enlightened. Enlightened, in light, right? It comes from the Greek word photizo. It means to give light, to shine, to light up, to illuminate. Okay, so, so here's something that hit me this week. If the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our spirit need to be enlightened, here's what that tells me. The eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our spirit can be in the dark. And I think there's a lot of people that that's where we find ourselves. We, we, we're saved, but yet we're still walking in some darkness because we're not choosing to walk in the light. We got to flip the light on. Uh, my wife, Sarah, likes to do these escape rooms. Anybody in here ever done an escape room before? Okay, if you're not familiar with an escape room, here's what it is. You go to this place. <laughs> sounds crazy when you hear it. You go to this place and they lock you in a room. And you're in this room, and there's all these different um, clues and puzzles and combination locks, and you have an hour to escape from the room. And, uh, and there's different themes that you, you do when you do this. And so Sarah really loves stuff like this. Like, she loves this kind of thing, and she's done, I don't know, a lot of these now. And uh, she was doing one with her small group one night of, of women. And so they went and they were doing a kidnap escape room. So they, they get handcuffed and they get blindfolded and put into this room. Sounds weird, I know. 
And then this like intercom system, somebody comes over and says, you are, you've been kidnapped. You have exactly one hour to escape from this room using clues that other people who've been kidnapped have left behind and yada, yada, yada. And then the clock starts and they begin. So uh, she said they were able to get the blindfolds off, the handcuffs off pretty quickly, but then they began to start working to get out of this room. Now, now when Sarah came home, she said, it's the worst I've ever done. They got home and, and they didn't, they didn't, not only did they not escape, she said they didn't even come close to escaping. And she always, she's never not escaped. It's the only time she hasn't escaped. And so she came home and, and, and she was telling me what happened. And she said that, uh, that there's a person monitoring what you're doing, kind of watching it, that came in at the end and was telling them, you know, where they went wrong. And one of the first things they said was, why didn't you turn on the light? <laughs> Listen, you know why they didn't turn on the light? They didn't know they could. And, and, and you know what? There's a lot of people that are dealing with darkness in our life. Maybe you're dealing with darkness of addiction, dealing with, with darkness of depression. Maybe you're facing something and it's very dark for you right now. I want you to know the desire of God is to enlighten you in such a way that you see things the right way so that you can step into the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased for you on the cross. We gotta fix, we gotta fix our eyes. We gotta flip on the light. So how do we do that? Okay, well, look at this with me. The Bible says this in uh, Psalms 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word, talking about the Bible, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now think about that for just a moment. It's a lamp to my feet. Here's what that tells me. It shows me where I'm at. And one of the great things about the word of God is it helps us to audit ourselves sometimes and realize where we're not kind of doing exactly what God's called us to do. It also helps us to see what's around us, what, what things could be right there in front of us that are tripping us up, that are knocking us off course, that are keeping us from the life that God wants us to experience. It's a lamp to our feet. It shows us where we're at, but notice it's also a light to our path. Here's what that tells me. It not only shows us where we are, it shows us where to go. When we understand what the Bible says and we study it and we get into it, it helps us to see where we're at and it helps us to know what steps to take to experience and walk in the life that God's called us to walk in. But listen, we have to do, we have, we have a part to play. We got to get into the word. We got to obey what it says. We got we to gotta fix our eyes on the word of God. Here's what else you need to do. You need to also follow after Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 talks about how we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, Jesus said this in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, say follows me, follows. will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now think about it. If you're, if you're following somebody, following them means you are submitted to following their lead. One of the problems that I see sometimes in the church world is we want God to follow us. Jesus, you can come and you can be my savior and you can kind of walk with me and I'll, I'll lead the way. Listen, God didn't want you leading the way. He wants to lead the way. Following him means we say, God, it's not my will, but yours be done. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do what you say. I'm gonna obey you and be led by you. We gotta fix our eyes. We fix our eyes on the word of God. We set our gaze on what the Bible says and the truth in it. We come under the authority of scripture. We come under the authority of God and Jesus and his leading in our life and we allow him. And when we do that, the light comes on. We begin to see things. We see things the right way. Now, here's the second thing, okay? Number one is we, we, flip, we flip on the light. Here's the second one, ask. Number two is ask. If you're taking notes, write that down, ask. Here's what I mean by that. We ask God for spiritual vision. 
Now back to Ephesians 1. Go back a verse to verse 17. Paul says this. He says, I keep asking, remember that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Some translations say he wants to give you a spirit of insight. Think about that. That's in inner sight, inner vision, so that you may know him better. Let me break this down for you a little bit. Paul's saying that, that God wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That word wisdom there uh, is the Greek word sophias. And it means it's insight or wisdom that is not naturally attained. Not human wisdom, special insight. This is really good news, guys. God wants to give you the spirit of wisdom that goes beyond your natural comprehension. Wisdom that goes beyond the way you naturally think. He wants to make you smarter than you actually are. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's good news. And then he says he wants to give you revelation. That word revelation is the Greek word apocalypsis. It means this. It means something that has been veiled or hidden for a long time. And then suddenly, almost instantaneously, becomes clear or visible to the mind or eye. It's like this. It's like there's a curtain, and all of a sudden, God pulls back the curtain, and you see what's been there all along. God wants to give you revelation where you see things like you've never seen them before. This is the desire of God for us. He wants to give us that spirit. He wants us to see things the right way. He wants us to be smarter than we actually are. So how do we experience this? How do we get it? Well, notice what Paul says at the beginning. He says, I keep asking. I keep asking. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Here's what Paul is saying. I keep asking God to give you the Holy Spirit, to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus said he would come and he would guide you into all wisdom, all truth. He's our helper. He's the spirit that wants to give you wisdom and revelation. But in order for us to experience that in our daily life, we have to keep asking to be filled. We have to keep. In fact, when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, it talks about be being filled. We need to continually be filled. Here's why. Listen, because you leak. Me and you leak, and I'm not talking about going to the bathroom. We leak. You know, in my, in my home, uh, we have lots of things that occasionally need to be refilled with air. Uh, t- in fact, just the other day, I had to fill up my trucks with air when the, when the weather changed. And, and bike tires, I had to fill up yesterday. And we have basketballs and footballs and, and soccer balls. And those things continually have to be filled, have to be refilled from time to time. Why? Because the pressures of this world, the use, the, the wear and tear of life causes them to slowly but surely leak. And listen, in the same way, the pressures of this world, the, the things that you're experiencing in this world, the enemy that's fighting against you, the flesh that you're having to push down, on a daily basis, those things cause you to slowly but surely leak. And so God wants you to do this. He wants you to keep asking. Everybody say, keep asking. Keep asking asking that the Holy Spirit would fill you up and he'll come. He'll come. God wants to fill you with his spirit on a daily basis so that you can operate in the fruit of the spirit. So you can be the father you're called to be, the husband, the mother, the wife, the person God's called you to be. So you can have wisdom and revelation how to raise your kids, how to deal with your spouse, how to deal with the workplace so that you can see things like you've never seen them before. How do we get it? We keep asking. We got to get in the word. You got to ask. So we, we, we flip, we ask, and here's the third one. We lean, lean. Or in other words, choose to lean on God in faith and not on your own understanding. Now, next week, I'm going to talk more about faith. Uh, So make sure you're here. 
It's going to be really good. But I want to give you just a little bit about faith this morning so that you can understand. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And let me just say this real, real simple. Here's what faith is. Faith is trust. That's the simplest definition. Trust. It's believing that what God says he will do, believing that who God says he is, he is. You trust God. Now look what it goes on to say. Trust God and lean not, or in other words, don't lean on your own understanding. Now think about that for a second. Leaning, okay? Leaning. If, I, if you're leaning on something, what are you doing? You're putting your weight on whatever it is that you're leaning in. And you're, and you're also, you're counting on that thing, whatever it is that you're leaning on, to hold you up. So if I'm leaning on this table this morning, I'm putting the weight of my, myself onto this table, and I'm trusting, I'm putting my faith in this table to hold me up. And what does the Bible says? It says that we're not to do that with our own understanding, with our physical way of thinking. Why? Because listen, if you are leaning on your own understanding, if you're leaning on things in this physical world, you're gonna be tormented by the devil. If you're leaning on things in this physical world, you're not gonna take the steps of faith God's called you to take. Because you're gonna find yourself going, God, have you seen my bank account? I can't do that. God, that's not what I'm gifted at. God, I'm kind of afraid to, to, to do that. I, I don't know that, that's not, that's not me, God. I, I can't do that. Now, here's my question for you. Who is the authority in your life? That's really what this comes down to. Is the authority of your life your own way of processing things and thinking, your physical way, your understanding? Is the authority of your life the circumstances that rise up against your life? Or is the authority of your life the word of God and what the Bible's telling you to do? That's walking by faith. It's trusting God. It's trusting what he says. And far too often we put ourselves in positions of authority that we're not really capable of carrying ourselves through. And we put, listen, when we do these things, when we put our, the authority of our life into the hands of circumstances, realize the enemy's gonna throw circumstances at you that are gonna keep you from the promises of God. So here's what I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm asking you to trust God. I'm asking you to walk by faith. I'm asking you to choose to not lean on the physical, but to lean into God. Because listen, he can, he can handle the weight of your life and he will not let you fall if you'll lean into him. I'm asking you this morning to quit just looking at this world through the physical. Quit looking at your circumstances and to start seeing things through the eyes of scripture, seeing things through the eyes of faith, believing God, taking him at his word. And listen, when you do that, you empower God to work in your life. When you're believing that God is working for you in the spiritual, it empowers him to do, to bring spiritual realities into the physical and to change and shake up the world that you live in. I've seen it over and over again. This is gonna be a good series, amen? amen. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? If you're uh, new to New Song Church, here's another way of saying that. What do you feel like God may be saying to you today in this message? And if you're completely new to church, maybe you're just here, you, you don't really know much about God or anything. Here's another question for you. What are you thinking right now? Because that's how God speaks to us. He speaks to us spirit to spirit and it's interpreted through our thoughts. So what are your, what are your thoughts right now? What are you, what's going through your mind? I believe today that God is calling us as a church to step up. I believe that God has some stuff for us, in store for us in this new year that we're coming up on. 
He has stuff in store for you, for your family, for your marriage, for your life. But those, those things that he has in store for you, they take you uh, being submitted to God and being willing to take the steps of faith he's called you to. So maybe you're here today and you feel like maybe right now you kind of hear God and he's telling you, maybe speaking some areas of your life where he's asking you to step out in faith. I want to encourage you, hear his word today and don't just be a hearer of it, be a doer. Obey and just try. Just see what God does. Take your eyes, take your gaze off this world and start looking at things the way God wants you to see them. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. We thank you that your, your cross is a completed cross, a completed work that touches every area of our life. And we're grateful today, Lord, that we can walk by faith. We can choose to fix our eyes on you, that be, to be led by you, to be led by your word, to lean on you. God, we, we thank you that you've made this so easy for us and we're grateful for it. We love you, Jesus. Help us to take the steps necessary. Help us to be obeyers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.